0: Today's show is sponsored by Panoptica. Panoptica provides users with deep visibility, prioritized risk assessment, and actionable remediation from development to runtime. This comprehensive cloud-native application protection platform provides an essential, holistic view to secure the entire cloud application stack seamlessly. With the integration of security into the DevOps and CI/CD pipelines, Panoptica fosters a security-first culture and allows users to detect and resolve security issues at every stage of the development lifecycle. To get more information on Panoptica, visit panoptica.app. That's panoptica.app. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well. Another Sunday perspective show as October begins to uh, hit the the other side of October, the second half of October. Gosh, there are only like two months left in the year. It's amazing. Uh, it feels like the year went by really, really fast. Hope everybody's doing well wherever you are on this side of the world, that side of the world. Today's show. I wanted you know. Last couple of weeks, we today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a scalable full stack monitoring platform. Datadog Synthetic Monitoring enables you to detect front-end errors and performance errors by analyzing user sessions and receiving actionable alerts. API tests help you detect and debug user-facing issues in critical endpoints and applications. Build and deploy self-maintaining browser tests to simulate user journeys from global locations. Start proactively monitoring your user experience today with a free 14-day trial of Datadog by visiting datadog.com slash frontend-cloudcast. That's datadog.com slash frontend-cloudcast. Are you getting pressure from finance to justify or reduce your cloud bill? CloudZero is the only cloud cost platform loved by engineers and trusted by finance. CloudZero can identify unused, idle, or over resources, alert you to spend anomalies, and organize 100% of your spend into a framework that mirrors your business structure, like cost per customer, product feature, or team. It's the most powerful platform ever built to provide accurate, granular visibility into your total cloud spend without the typical pitfalls of legacy cloud cost management tools like endless tagging or clunky Kubernetes support. Manage cost, optimize development, and maximize profit all in one platform. Join companies like Rapid7, Drift, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com slash cloudcast to get started. That's cloudzero.com slash cloudcast. Visit today to experience immediate and ongoing savings on your cloud bill. And we're back. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, I want to kind of dive into some thoughts I've had, and, and really almost ask open-ended questions to the community of what are you seeing around technology business models, specifically software-centric business models that are that are working. Uh, where are we seeing them? You know, have struggles. Where are they breaking down and failing? And I was kind of. Motivated to look at this uh, because because of a couple of things that happened. The first one was um, an area that I don't I personally don't really get into very much. I know Aaron gets into it somewhat. and I know a lot of people in the community are into it. Is gaming, and there was a, an activity or an event that went on last last few weeks, maybe month or so. A company called Unity, who makes one of the uh, gaming engines uh, for uh, software developers for game developers, the Unity engine, decided to change their pricing model. And so, uh, you know, gaming is, you know, huge, huge part of the technology industry. Um, It it can feel like a niche. If you're not really part of it, but uh, you know, if you start to to wade into those waters, you realize that there are billions and billions of dollars not only spent in in making games, but also in uh, people playing games, consuming games, interacting with each other. Um, you know, here in the Raleigh area, Epic is a you know huge, huge uh, footprint uh, beginning to grow quite a bit. And so, Unity, the company, one of the largest gaming engines, um, decided to change their pricing model, and they changed it from being somewhat ad supported so they went it, they had a model that uh, as I understand it was more driven by you know in-game purchases so anybody who's played games whether it's with your kids or you play themselves or are familiar with in-game purchases and they've changed it uh, and I don't know if they entirely changed it but they you know partially changed it to one in which they were going to charge uh, game developers uh, on a per download basis. And so this created a huge, huge stir in the industry, uh, created a huge backlash towards unity of the company um, to the point where uh, essentially they looked at the company as being such, you know, the, the leadership of the company as being such bad stewards of the overall model and not understanding the economics of their community and so forth, that they fired their CEO. And uh, And actually, the person who's taking over, at least as the temporary CEO, is the former Red Hat CEO, Jim Whitehurst. So that kind of got my attention just having worked with Jim in the past. But it did get me thinking about kind of all the changes that are going on in the industry, or at least, you know, bumps in the road that we've been seeing around software models. So obviously, we've seen, you know, there's, there's, <clears throat> there's forever the, the old statement that, you know, open source is not a business model. Um, we've forever heard people say, well, There'll never be another Red Hat, uh, sort of the idea of all software that's created by the company uh, remains open source. So the commercial product is the same as the open source product, that sort of thing. So we'll sort of leave that to the side. But we've seen more and more, uh, at least in this domain that we live in, where people are trying a couple of different models, right? There's still companies that are uh, VC backed that are doing open source, that uh, a lot of them eventually become sort of open core. And we've seen you know, mixed reviews about that. Uh, I saw an interesting uh, article, sort of an article, sort of a keynote uh, agenda, if you will, from the folks that uh, that create Wasm uh, that we've had on the show recently. God, I forget uh, Matt Butcher, uh, who has been leading a lot of the Wasm work, and he basically was just being very rational and saying, "Hey, look, um, you know, we we very much as a company support open source, but." We also realized that in order to be maintain viability as a company and you know continue to drive innovation in open source, um, you know engineers have to get paid, and you know the company needs to make enough money to be able to support engineers and be able to do innovation. Uh, and so he was making a very rational sort of claim for their approach, which was going to be based on open core. And he basically just said, like, there will be lots of stuff that is, um, you know, very usable as open source, but the things that we're driving new innovation for will oftentimes be, um, you know, held back as, uh, you know, monetized things or open core. Now, I, I didn't get that exactly right. He didn't He didn't say, you know, only the good stuff will, will stay with us. But that was, you know, it was the, it was him just trying to make a very... Rational, not after the fact statement that that's the direction they were going. And you know, as as the leader of a of a new framework around uh, WebAssembly, you know, he was trying to get ahead of it. And I think he was trying to do the sort of um, not the thing that, that Docker had done, which was um, get so big that and then constantly say, "Well, we're not really sure what our what our monetization model is," and then be stuck right? They were trying to sort of get ahead of it and say, look, as a company that happens to be leading this movement, um, this is sort of where we're going. And I just want to signal to the community, this is where we're going. And that's fine, right? Um, you know, people have their opinions about Open Core. Um, you know, a lot of it co- boils down to, uh, you know, trust and all sorts of things. But it feels like there's there's a lot going on in software these days, especially around business models that really boil down to sort of trust. And the idea that, if you start out with one business model, um, you know, r- regardless of how successful it is, regardless of whether or not um, you're able to grow uh, in the early days at the pace that you want to, the idea that you have built something that you're not going to change in the future seems to be kind of at the center of a lot of these discussions, right? Um, and that's a difficult thing to do because we, for a long time, have, have basically said, well, you know, in order to grow something to be large enough to be able to to get people's attention now in the in the world in which there's so much technology going on, there's so many, you know, options that are out there, you know, you have to to get big fast, you have to grow fairly fast. And in order to do that, uh, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of marketing without having a revenue stream, right? You're letting a lot of people try it, you're letting communities build around things, you're letting word of mouth spread. And in order to do that, you sort of need access to a lot of fairly cheap money, and we're, you know, now sort of in a stage like, like we have in, in all economies in which access to cheap money is not nearly as as prevalent, right? We've talked about the fact that there's really only been like one major IPO over the last, uh, I don't know, 18 to 20 months or so. Um, there's no really big ones on the horizon. Um, so, you know, the exits for certain companies that have been taking a lot of VC money has, has sort of gone away. Um and so, you know, we're, we're in a situation in which, you know, the economics are sort of changing. Uh, we've seen enough situations, you know, you could you could pull up the the HashiCorp Terraform uh, situation, which they changed the licensing. We've seen some other companies over the last year or two change their licensing. So we know that is an area in which, um, you know, g- sort of guessing at what your your plan will be in the future or not really having a plan, but then assuming that, well, we'll figure out monetization in the future is – is having some very negative feedback or blowback from communities, right? Again, whether it was Unity or Terraform, you know, HashiCorp with Terraform or, you know, we've seen this with Elastic, right? Where they're competing against cloud providers. We've seen all these things be very, um, be very frustrating, be very difficult. And, you know, at the same time, you know the, the traditional idea of just I'm just going to build technology. It's going to be sort of my technology. I'm going to you know make something so amazing that people will just love it. Uh, essentially, sort of proprietary business models. Um, we haven't seen a whole lot of those lately. Now I say that we haven't seen a whole lot of those lately, except when the business model is is SaaS. And so SaaS has proven itself to be relatively successful. Um, you know the challenge with SaaS is that SaaS looks somewhat like software development, uh, in that, you know, software development always used to be based on the idea of, you know, huge amount of capital or investment upfront. Uh, you build the technology, um, you know, educate the market, you get people using it and then subsequent, you know, next iterations of software are essentially sort of free because so much of it, so much of, of it has been, uh, you know put into that sort of original cost but then the next incremental cost of of shipping that next license that next you know piece of software is essentially you know next to zero and and the, you know the business model sort of you know stretches out those costs then over long periods of time you know saas is a little bit different in that you have to uh you know you have to build the service the service is running on top of the cloud your cloud meter to bill is is running whether or not you've got you know customers or not and so we are seeing some very very interesting ways of you know, people building the back ends of SaaS services to be much more cost-effective, right? And we've seen them um, using various types of technology that are, you know, much, much better metered. Um, they're not necessarily like turning things on. It's, you know, it's based on serverless or it's based on WebAssembly or it's based on whatever. Um, but it's still a different, it's sort of a different model than, than traditional software has been. And so it does sort of bring up the question of with software being so critical, to to all the things we do sort of all of the you know the the quote unquote digital transformation that's gone over the last decade 15 years but but more importantly just the idea that most business decisions these days for the most part are software decisions, right? They're technology decisions, right? So they're, you know, somebody says, hey, I have an idea for something. There is a certain amount of technology that's at the other end of that, whether it's how you interact with your customers, how you interact with your partners, how you're interacting with data in order to make decisions, um, you know, how you're collaborating with colleagues, all those sorts of things. You know, software isn't, isn't going away in terms of being critical to, you know, how businesses are run, how nonprofits are run, how, you know, universities are run, all those sorts of things. But we are running into a situation in which the people who are building and maintaining software is uh, you know are are struggling to figure out the business models, right? So my question to to the to the broader audience is, are you seeing other things out there, other business models, other ideas about how to you know not create you know super wealth around software, but how to create, uh, sustainable types of things, right? Because the argument, the, the flip side of it is, well, you know, open source sort of does this, but we still see open source communities constantly saying, look, we're, you know, we need funding in order to, you know, to handle maintainers. And we need, uh, you know, we need people who are being burned out who, who are being maintainers and contributors. And they, you know, these projects in which you sort of throw a few bucks here, throw a few bucks there to sort of help maintainers haven't worked out either, right? So I feel like to a certain extent, we're, we're kind of at a crossroads in which, you know, a, a generation of people have now gotten used to the idea that you you shouldn't necessarily have to pay for software, right? Because open source has been there and it's been the foundation and backbone for a long time. But when they think about software in terms of does it support and maintain businesses and activities that that generate wealth or generate value, let's, let's focus on value, not wealth, you know the the money isn't necessarily there and so i wonder as an industry you know what other mechanisms are people thinking about in terms of you know how do we bring together enough good engineers um be able to create some sort of economic model in which there is uh you know money to support you know whether it's open source maintainers or whether it's the companies that are building it or you know, whether it's, you know, lower cost ways of building things on top of the cloud, hence, you know, like the, the sort of the factory underneath it, is it a more efficient way? You know, what, what will happen there? You know, um, so that, that's the piece I'm very, very curious about with today's Sunday perspective is, are there companies out there that we're not aware of that are that are looking at new ideas for this, right? Sort of analogous to, you know, way back in the day, you would have, like in the, in the chip manufacturing part of the world, you would have these you know, huge sort of fabs that would have to build chips. So people like Intel and AMD and others would spend billions and billions of dollars up upfront, um, what looked like very much the software model. And then they would, you know, they would build chips, they would sort of capture most of the value for building chips. And then over time, you know, those became so expensive to build. And, um, you know, they took so long to kind of get done, you had things like, uh, some of the manufacturing TSMC and others came along in lower cost areas, or they took a very different business model approach in which, you know, they were just looking at different aspects of, of the chip industry. And we now have things like contract manufacturing and you've got the ability to, um, you know, do sort of third party ways of of building stuff. And so I'm wondering if software is going to have its, uh, you know, its, you know, hardware moment, if you will. Uh, in terms of business models, right? Is there is there somebody out there who is going to look at the model today? Whether it's how thing how innovation is originally created, how innovation is sustained over time, right? Does there just become somebody who um, you know creates some sort of function? I'll, I'll call it a company, if you will, that will look at older projects the same way that people like TSMC might look at you know some of the chips that are less high tech and go. Uh, There's a there's a model there. There's there's value there that people want in terms of sustainability or long-term support or whatever. And I'm going to start by you know funding those types of things. But I'm I'm very curious if that will happen because the other thing I'm very curious about. I saw a comment this week from uh, a venture capitalist named JJ Jacks or Joseph Jacks JJ. We've had him on the show before, Um, and he said, you know, the people that are even the, the projects or the people that are building these, you know, software available, software sort of visible, right? So the idea of like, well, it's not open source in that you can take it and run with it, but it's software available from a licensing perspective. So you can see what's going on in there. Um, he said, AI is just going to, people are just going to, you know, run AI models against that. They're going to have the the AI models, modify them in such a way, whether it's in, you know the type of language that it's written in or whatever it is such that they're going to be able to basically get around your idea of well I'm making the software visible but it's not available for doing things and they'll just turn it into open source and so you know I wonder even the protections that we put around licensing uh, with things like open source if they are going to continue to be viable and and you know and, and and JJ's statement might be completely in violation of the laws and and so forth and the legality of of certain certain licenses, but the concept seems like it's something that's probably going to happen. Um, people are going to look for ways to get around that, to get access to innovation, to quote unquote, steal innovation, whatever it might be to, you know, mimic it or copy it or whatever it might be. So, you know, as I think about all these things, um, you know, the software industry is still doing well. Um, right now we're, you know, kind of going through some, some economic challenges because obviously things are changing and buyers are going through different things. And um, but I do wonder if there are new models out there, right? We've been 15, 20 years of some of these models, uh, whether it's SaaS models or open source models or whatever it might be. Um, you know, are there new models out there that you, you all are hearing about that you're experimenting with? Uh, we would love to hear about them, uh, because I think, you know, software is still very, very much foundational in our industry. Um, it's very much, uh, you know, foundational to how innovation is getting brought to life, if you will, and you know, figuring out you know how those efforts are going to be sustained and to motivate people enough uh, through profitability and so forth to want to keep doing innovation, I think is uh, is really you know really really interesting. It's difficult, um, but I'm curious if you're seeing you know new things start to emerge, and I don't necessarily mean like industry completely taking over things, but, you know, new, new ideas that are even finding little niches, um, in there. So anyways, with that, I'm going to kind of wrap it up. Uh, like I said, seeing a few of the changes to various parts of the industry. And again, seeing pushback on people saying, well, if, you know, if you change your licensing model, we're not going to go to something else. Uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to abandon, you know, working with you anymore. And I understand that. I understand the frustration around trust and things like that. Um, but I do wonder, uh, you know, are we reaching points where, you know, a whole generation of people has sort of become used to the idea that that software is free, uh, free as in you know economically free, and we, you know, unless you are, you know, a, a monopoly like like an Apple, but even even in those cases, the marketplaces where they take thirty percent, like. If the products don't cost anything, we devalue the developers that build it, all those sort of things. Like, what's What sort of comes out of this stuff? So we'd we'll be very, very interested. If anybody is starting to see some interesting new business models, please reach out to us. Um, send us a note, show at thecloudcast.net is our email. You can hit us up on Twitter or any of the other social medias. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear even just ideas you have about where this is going. So anyways, with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you all for listening as always. Hope you're having a good week. Hope, uh, you know, if you're listening to this on a Sunday, it kicks off your week. You have a good week. Um, I've got a a couple more of these sort of open-ended questions coming up in the next couple of Sunday perspectives. So hopefully it'll give us some stuff to think about. Maybe, uh, maybe have Thanksgiving dinner conversations with your, your relatives as opposed to talking about politics or some other thing that uh, you know causes frustration. So anyways, hope you're all doing well. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for helping us grow the community. Thanks for giving us feedback in all the places you listen to the podcast. And with that, I'm going to wrap it up. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.